The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 116th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as my events of the week that I attended, specifically the uh, Deutsche Bank Golf Championship Pro-Am yesterday with the tournament underway today, and uh, Connecticut Sun Game featuring uh, Bill Lambeer as the coach of the New York Liberty, so that will be coming up. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of this week is uh, easy, the opening of real football, competitive, genuine, true football that we've all waited uh, low these many months for. And, of course, I'm talking about college football getting underway last night. South Carolina and North Carolina officially kicked it off with uh, the probably the leading Heisman candidate this side of Johnny Manziel and, of course, Jadavian Clowney. And uh, so it was exciting. Great starting time, 6 p.m. last night. I came over from the uh, – I made it home in time from the Deutsche Bank Golf Pro-Am to uh, see the start of the college football season for 2013, and it was great. But last night, but it got even better. Last night, the Vanderbilt-Ole Miss game was spectacular from Nashville. Uh, bottom line, under two minutes to go, Ole Miss is down, or Vanderbilt's down, facing a fourth and 18. They complete the pass. Next play, guy wide open, goes into the end zone. Vanderbilt takes the lead over Ole Miss, and... About a minute and a half to go in the game. <laughs> as soon as Ole Miss gets the ball, running back goes 75 yards uh, for a touchdown, the winning touchdown, and just what a great way to begin the college football season. Of course, leave it up to the SEC uh, to uh, give it this kind of a kickstart 
And, you know, how ironic that, you know, two of what you would call lesser teams in the SEC just literally uh, put on an absolute show. That was as good as it gets. And again, it was, you know, not exactly the iron of the SEC. So it was great. Also last night, Rutgers-Fresno State <laughs> went into overtime. Final score, 52-51. Uh, another fabulous game. So good stuff all around. College football underway. With a good-looking weekend ahead, we'll get into more of that uh, a little later with A.P. Stedham, our college football expert who covers Alabama. Sticking with college football, my low light of the week is the NCAA's ridiculous first-half penalty against Johnny Menzel uh, as a result of uh, autograph gate. Completely, totally absurd. I mean, just either give him a real penalty, like a game at least, or give him no penalty, just a warning or something. 30 minutes is just awkward. <laughs> There's no other way to say it. The NCAA, they're just uh, utterly ridiculous. Uh, they get more absurd with each ruling, it seems. Uh, complete joke. Nobody wants to see Johnny Manziel on TV t- tomorrow at 1.30. <laughs> more than me and legions of college football fans. The NCAA knows that. They certainly weren't going to mess around with having him on the field on September 14th against Alabama. Uh, you know, so instead of 1.30 tomorrow at kickoff Eastern time, you'll be on at 2.30 or 3 o'clock. The whole thing is just silly. Uh, you know, just complicated, embarrassing for everybody involved. Uh, the NCAA reaches new lows again with each ruling. My bizarre story of the week, by the way, is Rex Ryan. Uh... I don't know who took Rex Ryan, uh, but I sure wish they would return the old Rex. Uh, you know, maybe his bravado disappeared with all, all that weight that he lost. But I was stunned at his press conference following his rather ridiculous press conference after the game where Sanchez was in- injured and he was walking sideways and all that. Uh, he was completely submissive. Uh, to the media, to the New York media. I mean, I'm a member of the media myself. I've sat in many, many, many press conferences. And to see Rex Ryan, uh, not exactly a fan, a favorite here in Boston, completely like kowtowing and submissive to the New York media was frankly just sad. He, he was like literally explaining himself and just he was like a different guy from the Rex of the first two years that used to, you know, take on Belichick and both Super Bowls and actually got the two AFC title games. And <laughs> don't ask me why. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing and it was literally just sad. I uh, never thought I'd say this. I miss the old Rex. I always do say this that sports is, you know, more interesting with the more the more interesting characters exist and say what you want about Rex Ryan he's an interesting character but a whole lot less interesting in the last week uh, so that leads us into my uh, events of the week that I attended the first was yesterday's Deutsche Bank Pro-Am uh, Deutsche Bank Golf Championship has become a Labor Day weekend tradition here in Boston uh, 
began a few hours, began this morning. Uh, not an easy scene to break into, you know, as, uh, as all you can tell, all my loyal listeners, you know, Patriots were on TV last night in their final preseason game with Tebow time at stake, uh, Red Sox playing for, you know, uh, Playing September type baseball here in late August, uh, you know, with a real pennant race against the Orioles at Fenway Park, and a uh, hundred thousand students moving in this weekend into Boston. Uh, Labor Day is just it may be the best weekend of the year in Boston. And eleven years ago, the Deutsche Bank surfaced and has wedged its way into this dynamic week and weekend uh, that is Labor Day, and you know. I mean, Boston College is playing a home game tomorrow against Villanova. There are so many things to do. Yet, fabulous crowds. Uh, it's a, it's a must-see. It's, it's part of the, the Boston Labor Day landscape now. And I can truly say this year, and I've gone pretty much every year for 11 years and have covered it the last few years, uh, I've never heard more people say in advance that they're attending the Deutsche Bank. So it's going to make for great television viewing. It's already started. Phil's shooting, you know, uh, eight under par and, and shooting for another, the, the 59 that eluded him a couple weeks ago. Uh, so we'll see how he does. But yesterday, Pro-Am was great. Love it. Sean Thornton was uh, Boston Bruin hockey enforcer and really, really, really all-time likable sports guy as as down-to-earth as uh, any athlete I've literally ever met. Uh, but anyway, he was playing with Keegan Bradley, New England native, in the Pro-Am, and right behind him uh, was a uh, foursome pro, uh, group with Jordan Spieth, the golfer, but also Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens, new coach. Danny Ainge, general manager, obviously, of the Celtics, and uh, Steve Pagliuca, the... Uh, owner, uh, one of the owners of the Celtics, so it was great. Uh, you, you know, the Pro-Am is just fabulous. I, I, I go every year. And another bonus was press conferences. So why don't we start off with, uh, I sat in on Tiger Woods' press conference literally 24 hours ago uh, to the moment. Uh, and here's what Tiger had to say about the, the uh, upcoming tournament. It's exciting to be back. This is uh, exciting for us. And that was Tiger Woods. You can tell uh, the Deutsche Bank <clears throat> is for the benefit of Tiger Woods' foundation. And this year, for the first time, uh, the Tiger Woods uh, Foundation is taking over the management of the tournament itself. He's done a couple other tournaments, but this is the first time he's done the Deutsche Bank. So it'll be, uh, it'll be terrific. Um, I've been very impressed. I spent a lot of time in the media center two days this week, including yesterday. And... Uh, 
Tiger Woods Foundation staff has been fantastic. And uh, so it's going to be a great week. And here's what Rory McIlroy had to say yesterday about uh, this weekend's tournament. I reset my goals. Interesting comments from Rory McIlroy. Uh, he he hasn't given up, uh, and I don't think anybody should be counting him out. Uh, he's the defending champion uh, at the Deutsche Bank, having won it last year in the midst of his sizzling hot streak, and uh, not long after his PGA victory down in Kiowa. So, uh, fun to watch as always, and speaking of defending... Uh, Champions, uh, first tournament Adam Scott ever won was at the Deutsche Bank a few years back. He obviously won last week at the Barclays, so he is at least the defending champion from last week. Super likable guy. I've said it on a few of his press conferences, as I did again yesterday afternoon uh, here in suburban Boston, and here's what Adam Scott had to say. Adam Scott. So, uh, Adam Scott's currently, as we speak, playing in a threesome with uh, Phil Mickelson, who's again going for a 59. He's at eight under par as of uh, a few minutes ago with uh, three or four holes left. And of course, Tiger Woods. So, what a threesome. Phil, Tiger, Adam Scott. Uh, just about as good as it gets out on the tour. Uh, the other event of the week that I attended was the Connecticut Sun versus the New York Liberty uh, in a game won by the Liberty. And interesting for me as uh, someone who's been up here in Boston since the uh, Larry Bird era and the famous, famous uh, battles with the Detroit Pistons and Bill Lambeer. Bill Lambeer is now the coach of the New York Liberty. My seats are fortunately courtside at the visitor's bench end. So I got to watch Bill Lambeer uh, from literally a few feet away throughout the entire game, uh, remembering again the great battles with the Larry Bird Celtics and Lambeer with the Pistons, with Rodman, Isaiah Thomas, of course, Rick McCorn. Boston radio announcer Johnny Most called Lambeer and Mahorn, McFilthy, and McNasty. 
uh, great stuff. I mean, some of the greatest stuff I've ever seen in sports. Bill Lambeer has not changed. To say he was active and engaged as the coach on the floor with the refs, with his players, would be an understatement. It was fabulous, great theater. And here's what uh, Lambeer had to say after the game. We had this road trip where we went to Chicago and then we're coming here and it was imperative that we get at least one of these two games to keep us in the chase. And, uh, you know, we didn't do well in Chicago. Uh, they played pretty well. We didn't play well. And here we kept our composure throughout the game. It looked like maybe their uh, strategy was to leave uh, Smith open. Or, or For them? Just to, I don't know. Kevin Katie's yeah, been playing very well as of lately. Um, you know, she struggled early in the season, but right now she's found her shot. She's looking for her shot, and it's tough to leave her open. She's going to make shots right now. Do you still do you enjoy coming here? <laughs> well, I prefer, you know, competitive atmosphere. We're competing for the championship, uh, being the number one or number two team in the Eastern Conference. And those competitions right now, we're the bottom two. So, you know, it's not the same atmosphere, not only from the, the, the players, but also the crowd. You know, but still, we needed this win. That was a good win for us. And you go say right back, and you got to see Minnesota again on Tuesday night. Yeah, that's okay. You got to play everybody in this league at least once or twice. And uh, you know, I think we're feeling okay about ourselves after this win. We still got a, a lot to do. Um, learn some things against Minnesota, even though we got blown out there. Bill Lambeer, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, certainly hasn't changed. Certainly a big personality, but it was really a lot of fun and a lot of memories to see him last Sunday in Connecticut. Uh, as you could hear, his Liberty are having a frustrating season, as are the Connecticut Sun. And here's uh, Sun coach Ann Donovan talking after the game about uh, her team's effort. Yeah, this is the last two games here in this building where defensively not bothering anybody at all. Is that a facet of um, their situation in the standings? If, if that is the case, do you think that they assess their situation for your that's you know, the effort they're going to give you? At this point, it's like you approach every game, regardless of postseason or not, and you have an element of pride to your game. And especially in this arena, that people don't come in here and just score it well. And tonight, we did a marginal job on Cappy to walk out here with 14 points. That's pretty good when you hold Cappy with 14 and have their bench just have a field day against us. You know, it is, it's about pride. So I don't even entertain talk of postseason or not postseason. This is about pride, and this is about playing people that are playing, playing to the best of their ability, and we're better than that. Defensively, we're better than that. Is this the first time you've seen it to this extent that it troubles you, or have you seen... No, the Minnesota game was very tough. The Minnesota. the Minnesota game was that was a poor defensive effort than it was tonight. Well, as you could plainly hear, Connecticut Sun coach Ann Donovan frustrated. And uh, we shall see. They lost to the L.A. Sparks uh, this week. So... The frustration continues, and now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine.
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ahead in business and life. Read Getting It Done, 1,000 of the Best-Kept Secrets for Success in Business and Life by John Capozzi. Learn how John, a successful Connecticut businessman, obtained 13 corporate promotions in 13 years. This book makes a fantastic gift for anyone who wants to get ahead in business. Voice America will donate a portion of every copy sold to the USO. Visit gettingitdone.com and enter promo code VA1234 at checkout to get a 10% discount. That's gettingitdone.com, promo code VA1234 for a 10% discount today. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. It's that time of the show when we typically have guests. And on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, Sean. Doing great. How's everything? Couldn't be better. Uh, I'm a happy guy. It's college football, real football, started last night, and no surprise, you were actually at a game. Uh, So why don't you tell us all about it? Yeah, John, I had the pleasure of attending the Towson-Connecticut game, opener for both, of course, and, you know, Connecticut was of two five and seven seasons, so it's really important that they get off to a good start. Uh, they played a, a top-notch FCS team in Towson who gave LSU all they wanted last year. And, you know, Paul Pasqualoni thought it was going to be a difficult game, and sure enough it was. Uh, uh, Towson came out and just showed that they belonged on the field and ended up winning the game 33-18. to 18. And uh, so UConn's right now, they have – two weeks to think about the next game against Maryland and they'll have to reevaluate a few things but but Towson had a, you know excellent running back he, he was actually the FCS uh, 
freshman of the year, Terrence West. He rushed for 156 yards. So when you're playing football, John, as you know, if you control that line of scrimmage, you have the advantage. And Towson did all evening. Uh, and on the defensive line, they sat the UConn quarterback five times. And Connecticut never did really pressure uh, Towson's quarterback. who had an excellent game as well. Wow. Well, you know, we're not talking Appalachian State beating Michigan here, but, you know, uh, these types of things, there's always one of these, uh, you know, in the first game of the year, the first night of the year, the first weekend of the year. There always is. And, again, I'm not equating it to Appalachian State beating Michigan, but a big surprise. I mean, it was a home game for Connecticut. Uh, You and I both interviewed and talked with Paul Pasqualoni just a a month ago down there in Newport at the American Athletic Conference Media Day in Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, he certainly seemed upbeat and confident. He was impressive. There's no other way to say it. And last night, as I'm watching, you know, all the games, quite frankly, uh, when I got the first, when you know, when they first popped in with the upset alert, uh, I was shocked. I really was shocked because... You know, we got, I mentioned Michigan, and that wasn't a coincidence. Michigan's coming to Connecticut in uh, a mere three weeks, September 21st. So, wow, to lose to Towson State three weeks in advance of hosting Michigan is, it's a shocker. It just is. Yeah, John, Connecticut has had a lot to prove, especially their offensive line. They, you know, they had been questioned so many times by the media about their performance of last year, you thought they'd come out there and blow them off the line of scrimmage, but that didn't happen. They only finished with, you know, 81 yards of rushing, and that's just not enough against an FCS team to have an advantage, a clear-cut advantage. So they they never could get in a rhythm running the football, and I think to their detriment, that's one of the reasons they, you know, didn't win the game. You you really need need to dominate those teams early, so they feel like they don't even belong, and that wasn't the case. Uh, so the offensive line, <clears throat> you know, to, to do anything offensively, you have to have protection and good blocking up front. I think that's a weakness that's still not, uh, you know, still a deficient part of their offense. Yeah, well, to take a line from pardon the interruption, since the game was not on TV, uh, you know, the uh, Towson – Win the game, or did Connecticut lose the game? You were there. What would you say? How would you best answer that question? Because I'm trying to get a handle on how yeah. this happened. Yeah, I, I don't think. Uh, I think Connecticut never did. Uh, you know, they were never a force in the game. You, when you were watching it, you thought the two teams were were equal, and anybody could grab the you know you know the uh, game. And right. Towson, you know, was more consistent uh, offensively with their. Throws and of course on the the run game it was exceptional. You know, rush for over 200 yards, and it's very difficult to win when the other team can can rush for that many yards. So I, I you know, I would say that really Connecticut lost the game. And even though they they didn't play well all throughout the game, they had a chance at the end. The UConn defense uh, stopped them, went on a three and out, and they punted the ball to a freshman who dropped the punt and. And Towson recovered, and that was the game because they had to use all their timeouts in that previous, uh, right. you know, set of plays. Oh wow! So, so how much time uh, was left when he fumbled the ball? Yeah, yeah, it was like three minutes. You know, a solid oh, wow. three minutes. They had 
they would have to go about 75 yards, which is a lifetime, two lifetimes in college football. Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, <laughs> you know, that, that, if you watch that Vanderbilt uh, Ole Miss, and I'm guessing you didn't, knowing you were at the Connecticut Towson State game, uh, you know, more stuff occurred in the last minute and a half of that game than you could ever imagine. So three minutes yeah. is a lifetime. Yeah, I mean, uh, with, th- with three minutes to go, they would have had to get uh, scored eight points, you know, got a two-point conversion. They had a two-point conversion on the uh, last touchdown. But you felt confident that, you know, they moved the ball in the last series and, and they maybe have a chance to salvage something that was not a good night for them. But it didn't happen, and then, you know, they scored, Towson scored the last touchdown to make it 33-18. And just people were, you know, you know, leaving the stadium, you know, and they kind of gave up. Right, right. So they would have needed a TD and two-point conversion to tie the game? Yeah, two-point conversion. Okay. Scored they were down eight. Uh, yeah, you okay. know, they were down by eight points at that point. All right, well, you know, uh, it's disappointing for the simple reason that, you know, uh, the Michigan Michigan coming into Connecticut to play a home game, you know, at Rensselaer Field right outside Hartford is a big deal here in the Northeast, you know. Uh, you and I are both hoping, planning to go to the game, and, um, you know, we don't, up here in New England, you know, uh, we don't get as much big-time college football as maybe other areas of the country, uh, and... So Michigan coming into New England, it's a big deal. When they about they did it a, a decade or two ago with Desmond Howard, first game of the year at Boston College, and it was an epic day. Uh, Howard had three touchdowns, went on to win the Heisman that year. But I'm just saying, you know, I think what I had in mind, and what many all obviously had in mind, especially the folks at UConn, was you know. UConn would win their first couple games, you know, hopefully in an impressive fashion, enough to give the belief to its fan base and everybody else that day on September 21st that, you know, they had a chance to beat Michigan. And it would have been, you know, just, again, a, a tremendous atmosphere. I'm not saying it won't be, but it'll be less, a little less now. Yeah, especially if, if there's an 0-2 start. I mean, they play Merrill in the next game and, Randy Ouch. also returns to to Connecticut, and I'm sure he's fired up because Connecticut went down there last year and defeated the Terrapins. Right. So, so wow. He's looking forward to change that situation, and, and and Michigan's a big, powerful team. I mean, that's their their style. So if UConn right. does anything, they need to chore up that defensive line and the offensive line because Michigan would just line up and run it down their throats the entire game. They, they wouldn't even pass the ball probably if they didn't, if, if UConn plays the same way. Right. Three yards in a cloud of dust to borrow a Woody Hayes big, big 10 phrase. And <laughs> Michigan certainly buys into that type of philosophy as well, generally speaking. So, well, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. And again, it's a big deal. Case in point, you know, I'm walking down my street the other night, run into a couple uh, who moved here a couple years ago from Michigan, and I just said, hey, did you know Michigan's coming to Connecticut? You know, they were like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We're already, you know, 
considering we've been invited to join an, a Michigan alumni club based here in the Boston area to bust to the game. So, again, it's a big deal. Oh, and, yeah, they're going to put in extra seats for the Michigan people, John, in one of the end zones. So really? I'm sure there'll be okay. a lot of maize and blue there. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. But, you know, again, uh, you, you know, it's a big deal. That's all I can say. And, you know, we don't get – we always get one or two of these a year here in New England, you know. Remember, Penn State used to come to BC, uh, as did Michigan. Keep in mind, Michigan is the winningest college football program in the history of college football. So, no, you, you know, one of the great travel teams ever. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. But again, it just, I was just disappointed last night. It just felt like, you know, it maybe. Took a little bit of the edge off, but, uh, you, you know, I guess you can easily turn that around and say, you know, if Connecticut is, you know, loses to Maryland and, uh, you know, then we're talking a desperate team to almost save their season against Michigan. But, again, I think we were all assuming the, you know, Connecticut having, you know, off to a good start and looking like they could give Michigan all they could handle, you know, for some advance uh, excitement. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's the case, John, because if that, that if uh, Maryland beats Connecticut, you could see a maize and blue in that entire stadium that day. Oh, absolutely. No question. Um, well, you know, I mentioned earlier in this conversation um, that Vanderbilt and Ole Miss game, I mean, I mean, as I said in the opening segment and just said just a minute or two ago, unbelievable game, unbelievable last minute and a half. And, you know, leave it to the SEC, which, you know, you cover Alabama. Nobody knows the SEC like you do, AP. But, you know, I just couldn't get over uh, how, you know, two of, quote, the lesser teams – of the SEC, given how many fabulous teams there are, there are, and these are good teams, these are ranked teams, uh, putting on just an absolute show. That last two minutes, incredible. I know, you, I'm sure you know, you know what exactly went on if you didn't watch it yourself, uh, given your travels to Connecticut. But it was awesome. Yeah, those are two well-coached teams on the, and especially uh, Vanderbilt. You know, in their history, they, they've never had this much. Uh, consecutive successes and seasons, and in the Ole Miss, with they way they've been recruiting, everyone is very excited to see that those freshmen play Kimdichi, you know, big defensive end and the outstanding wide receiver from Illinois. So, and it was it was a good thing for Ole Miss that they win that game, John, because their schedule is unbelievable. Uh, you know, then the five games they have. Uh, they have to go to Texas, then at Alabama, then at Auburn, then they play Texas A&M at home in LSU. I mean, just oh my gosh. five teams. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, you know, their next game is against Southeast Missouri, which, you know, maybe you can heal yourself from this, this last outing, and then they have an open date before those, those five you know, games that we just mentioned. Right. But, but they, you know, they have some young talent, good coach. Everybody's really – you know, excited about the program that Hugh Freeze has, but I don't know what they're going to do in those five games. You know, they might have a better team this year, but the record won't show it. Exactly, exactly. And by the way, you know, uh, 
the lineman you mentioned, number one recruit of last year, Kemdichi. Uh, wow. You know, he's a 300-pounder, and boy, can he move. And, you know, by the way, I love, you know, I love that he wears number five. I love that Clowney wears number seven. I love that these, you know, defensive linemen, 300-pounders, are wearing, you know, numbers traditionally reserved for, you know, whatever, quarterbacks, kickers, and the occasional running back. I just think it's fabulous. Uh, Put it this way, watching last night, the minute I knew he was number five, he was real easy, you know, to watch all night, literally chasing the quarterback. Uh, He just looks like Clowney did. Was he better than you expected, John, watching him that first game? Yeah, my takeaway, pretty simple, you know, especially after watching Clowney and remembering when Clowney came in in his first couple games as a freshman, the most, again, the number one recruit in the country. You know, the, also obviously a defensive lineman. Uh, my takeaway off the top of my head, AP, very simple. He looked like the fastest 300-pound person I've ever seen in my life, period. End of story. <laughs> I can't put it any better than that. Yeah, he was closing can't. on this quarterback. Keeping in mind, it was his first ever college game. So yeah, a, little, a little rough around the edges, a little raw, but wow. It looked, you know, it felt and looked a little bit like next level stuff, if you know what I mean. Right, you you can tell he, he's what they call so, a six footer. You just have to watch six foot of film to know he was one of the better players on the field. Well, exactly. No, it, it felt when I say next level, I mean like the, the continuing evolution of you know what athletes are becoming. You know, and and players like you know no better example than a three hundred pound lineman, eighteen years old, if if that old, maybe seventeen. I I don't know, whatever. <laughs> first ever game and he's chasing down quarterbacks and I'm going like wow and it was only three three years ago that Jadavian Clowney was in the exact same boat being called like people by people like myself a, a next generation player you know so it's that, that that's that's what's happening and there's no better place to see it on display obviously than college football and we have a lot more to talk about but AP we need to take our break for now, and uh, I know you're sticking around on the other side, and we got lots more college football to get to. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. Hey, we're talking wolves and the pros and cons of them with David Allen from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and Minnesota Deer Hunter Association Executive Director Mark Johnson. Ah, we're a wolf pack with uh, Jeff Hagner, who's the Director of Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, and finally, Mrs. Bonnie. And it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
football, and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football, and we'll talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., there was a couple of late-night games last night. One in particular uh, was Rutgers-Fresno State went into overtime. Rutgers went for two in the overtime to win it or lose it. They didn't make it. They lost it, a la Tom Osborne, 1983 versus Miami for the national championship. I love it. I mean, who can't love a go-for-broke coach like Kyle Flood, who, again, we saw up in uh, up in Newport at American Athletic Conference Media Day. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it must have been an amazing game with that, you know, David Carr's younger brother, Derek, at five TDs and all the drama involved in that last-second overtime victory for Fresno. So anyone who stayed up late to watch it, you know, they got their money's worth. And it took a lot of guts for that coach to go for two points. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work out down the road for him, but that was his choice, and he came up short. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, I've seen him, Kyle Flood, the last two years down in Newport, Rhode Island for – uh, football media day and yeah, I like him and I like him even more now. And, uh, you know, it's Fresno state, you know, they pop up in these interesting games. Like, last time I watched Fresno state and I didn't watch the end last night I'm like, and you were traveling from Connecticut. So neither of us got to see it, but I've certainly seen the film today. And, uh, but that was the game. Last time I saw Fresno State was that epic game against USC. That night I did stay up till 2 in the morning because <laughs> um, that's the night Reggie Bush basically sealed the Heisman and, and put on that famous, famous, famous move uh, that is, you know, is his personal number one highlight of all time. It's one of the best moves I've ever seen in sports. Uh, it's become his, it became his signature move and it was back and forth, Pete Carroll, 90,000 in the Coliseum, and, and just an epic game, Fresno State going for the upset. So Fresno State, they're a player. <laughs> They've been around for a while, and they, they, uh, 
play in these occasional epic games, and last night certainly was one from all accounts. Yeah, they've always had the reputation to go on the road and play teams, you know, come to the FCC. So hosting Rutgers was was nothing new to them, uh, you know, bringing these big teams in. And I guess the Rutgers coach, I was reading some of his comments, he said he didn't regret going for that two-point conversion. So we'll see what happens to their team and their psyche and see if it affects them down the road. It shouldn't. You know, these college kids, they're very resilient. They have 12 games they have to play, so there's 11 more. And, uh, you know, if he's a good coach, he'll he'll turn him around. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, you know, I didn't read that comment. I don't need to read that comment to know that he wouldn't regret it. He is, uh, you know, <laughs> like many other college football coaches, they're, they're, they look ahead. They don't look backwards. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and again, I, I, I've liked this guy, obviously. A lot going on at Rutgers in the past year or two. Uh, as we all well know, so uh, you know, I liked it. I, I wouldn't, frankly, doesn't don't understand fans who don't like it. You know, a go for broke mentality. Uh, you know, on one play to win or lose the game. I love it. That's the essence of sports in my book. Yeah, I think it's something that's kind of newer to this generation, John. You know, years ago, a lot of coaches would go for Correct. the win. There's many coaches that would not play for the tie, and those people exactly. the overtime. Exactly. There were many coaches. I, I watched games growing up, and they would go for that win. They wouldn't would never kick a field goal or or you know an extra point to tie. Exactly. That's it's old school. You know, Belichick has a little of that in him. Um, again, as a fan, I don't understand why you wouldn't like that that's to me what watching sports is all about and it's always nice to see it you know unfold right in front of uh, right right in front of us uh but you know we've got some uh another i mean the weekend hasn't officially even started yet and here we are uh a couple of really intriguing games tomorrow night uh the big one of which georgia clemson from death valley yeah. That is an awesome game by any standard. It feels like an SEC game, even though Clemson's in the ACC. Uh, but obviously many people feel like they're the closest thing you can get to an SEC team, uh, both geographically and the way they play. Uh, that is going to be a great game. I'm genuinely excited for that one. Yeah. John, of all the games, if I was going to pick one out for the weekend, I believe it would be that Georgia-Clemson game. You know, two high-powered yes. offenses. Uh, Clemson averaged about 41 points a game last year. Georgia, 37. Two exceptional quarterbacks, Taj Boyd and Aaron Murray. Uh, yep. You know, Sammy Watkins for Clemson. Nobody can seem to cover him or or find him. Even You know, the best thing you can do with him is keep him off the field and uh, get your offense out there, play some defense, get your offense out there and hold the football. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think the scoreboard lighting system will be on fire, and uh, because right. you know Georgia's lost eight or nine people on defense, they lost three out of the four in their secondary, and you know one of the players that was supposed to play a rising sophomore was Josh Harvey Clemens. He's been suspended for the game, a big safety for Georgia, uh, and you know Clemson has yet to show me that they can compete defensively on a national scale. So, uh, uh, Georgia's actually favored in the game by, John. 
which is hard to believe since the game is in you know at Clemson Death Valley. So that kind of surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I, I would have to attribute that just, you know, without any analysis, uh, the fact they're an SEC team. It's almost like they get three points for that. It really is. Yeah, and, and I think if uh, people are enamored with Georgia, it may oh, yeah. actually so that, you know, they came so close to defeating Alabama in the SEC championship game. But the thing that scares me to death is that defense. Now, I mean, Dabo Swinney was saying this week, don't feel sorry for Georgia. They've recruited well, and, and that's true. But in your first game, if it doesn't come together against a high-powered offense, you can really look bad. So, you know, they don't have an opening game against a, a lower-tier team, and you're going to places very difficult to win. Death Valley, the crowd would be real hostile. So, so that, that's what yeah. you know, I would fear if I was the Georgia folks. Yes, uh, lots of reason for concern. Saturday night in Death Valley is an unpleasant experience for the visiting team. Uh, let's put it, mild, let's put it mildly. And, you know, a couple of other intriguing games, obviously, Alabama, the team you cover, uh, starts a couple hours earlier. I, I've, I love this game time. I love 6 o'clock South Carolina, North Carolina last night. I love 5.30 tomorrow evening, Alabama, Virginia Tech. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one, AP? Yeah, I'm from Alabama's standpoint, you know, they're trying to replace a few offensive linemen, uh, a couple of people in the secondary. And, you know, the, this offense, if, if the offensive line comes through this year, John, they could break some school records because of the receiving core they have and the outstanding group of running backs. And then you have a quarterback that is a two-time champion, national champion. And then they have this other freshman as a, you know, really offensive threat. O.J. Howard, six foot five, two thirty, two forty, can run downfield. That's a new dimension that they could add to this already powerful offense that set some records last year. And then defensively, although there's some new players on the defensive line, I think they're going to be very good. And the players uh, that will be uh, injected into the secondary have the talent as well. And they have uh, many good linebackers. You know, led by C.J. Mosley, All-American C.J. Mosley. And, you know, they're going to have to watch out for Virginia Tech's quarterback, Logan Thomas, you know, big, strong, uh, 6'6", 240, 250, strong arm. So they'll have their hands full. And Virginia Tech with Frank Beamer, he he usually gives, um, you know, a good effort as a coach. He's an outstanding coach. And I think the last time, John, that Alabama was behind at halftime to a non-conference opponent was when they played Virginia Tech in 2009. Wow. Well, I know Alabama's heavily favored, but, you know, Virginia Tech is a quality, quality program under Frank Beamer. He built it. He created it. So I, I was a little startled when I saw how heavily favored Alabama was. Uh, you know, it's in Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Neutral site game, right? Right, neutral site game. Yep, yep. I, 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 but then again, you know, I, I think Virginia Tech will... I don't know. Make it into show up. Let's just put it that way. I mean, we how, how none of us can forget last year's uh, opener, Alabama destroying Michigan. So I think that's on a lot of people's minds as well. Yeah, they're really on top of the game last year, and Nick Saban likes it that way when they have a top opponent because the the conditioning and the preseason workouts they're more intensified because you don't want to be embarrassed by a, a big name opponent. 
So that's one of the reasons he likes that neutral site games, among others. Yes, well, Logan Thompson for Virginia Tech could make it interesting, and obviously Virginia Tech's calling card is and always has been uh, special teams play. And if there's one way for anybody to even consider upsetting Alabama, it, it would have to be, in my mind at least, you know, through through special teams. So if anybody's capable of, I'm not calling for an upset, I'm saying of making it just interesting, maybe into the second half, uh, it would be Virginia Tech because uh, of their, you know, special teams history, uh, which is really the best in the country over the past couple decades, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Frank Beamer's team's always been defense and special teams. Totally, totally. And now they got a big, big time quarterback to go with it. Now, something they're used to down there at Virginia Tech, uh, right. i.e., Michael Vick. So. Oh, oh, yeah. And, and John, if I recall in that game, they returned a uh, kickoff for a touchdown against Alabama. Correct. There you go. There you go. So, you know, that could happen. You just, in, in Alabama, for whatever reason, and during the Nick Saban era, that's been like an Achilles heel. Teams can return the kickoff for touchdowns. Correct. Right. That's the type of thing you need, you know, to pull an upset of this magnitude. Uh, another intriguing game, and it's head-to-head, basically starts a half an hour after the uh, Georgia Clemson game. Uh, TCU versus LSU at, uh, at Jerry World in outside Dallas, that fabulous stadium, uh, now renamed, by the way, to AT&T Park, I believe. Uh LSU, you know them well with your SEC expertise. So what do you think about that game? Yeah, John, I'm looking forward to Zach Mettenberger and his relationship with Cam Cameron. They brought in as the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Yep. You know, he's he's drilled uh, previous quarterbacks in the past and made them better players. Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Joe Flacco. So I'm looking for him to make some, you know, be more consistent as a as a quarterback and as a leader. Uh, LSU's lost eight defenders on defense, you know, top top notch players, and uh, so that'll be interesting. Maybe this offense will have to carry the defense for the first time in a while at LSU. And and the thing about TCU is they had the top defense in the Big Twelve last year, so I'll be curious to see how they can compete against LSU. And uh, it, it, even though the game is played over in Arlington, believe me, there'll be a ton of LSU fans. So I'm not, oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't be concerned about any, any advantage in that area. Right. That's drivable. Need, need we say more? You can drive easily from Louisiana oh, yeah, uh, they'll, they'll be over all to over Dallas. That. Yeah, they'll be all over the Arlington Stadium. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. Uh, well, AP, about ready to call it a show here. Our time is up. But I do have one quick question that I have to ask you. Tim Tebow, you're an SEC expert. You saw, you witnessed his tremendous career at Florida. Will his football career continue after tomorrow night at 6 p.m.? Cut down day. Yeah, John, unless um, unless the Patriots have a third uh, you know, quarterback, I guess they would keep him as kind of a utility guy to do anything they want during the season, but if it's based on his performance, I'd have to say no. Okay, so you think the Patriots will keep him or cut him? Uh, I'd probably say he's going to get cut. I, I think they're going to keep him. So, yeah. food for thought. We'll revisit next week. Okay, John. <laughs> thank you very much. All right, uh, Tebow time here in New England for the next twenty-four hours. So, uh, 
AP, thanks as always for calling in. Great observations. It's going to be a fun season with you on board. Uh, and as my former co-host, Nemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, thank you all for listening. We look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.